can't even blame the refs because you know they're they're fighting through the the embellishment of, of uh, you know grabbing your face or falling down or dropping your stick you know every period so you know I, I, I can't even blame the referee on it they they, they fooled them on it shove it in just crush my dreams boom sadness that's the one Golden Knights now down 2-0 in the series after the overtime loss last night to the Avalanche. Ed Graney is out. He'll be back tomorrow. So Adam Candy is filling in, which means Adam Candy is our substitute teacher. Graney agrees. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response... Were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Candies! Raise, raise. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Candies! Grades! The first topic to be graded. The post flash crossbar at ball arena in Denver uh, but before the grade let me just give Jared full credit because that is maybe my favorite moment from Billy Madison um okay so the posts and crossbar ooh man I I gotta give them an a plus a plus I mean look what are the post and crossbar there to do they are there to make loud sounds that make everybody sad Right. That's that's essentially the post and crossbar do nothing but make people sad because you hear that ding and you're like, oh, we were that close. And then you realize, actually, no, you weren't really that close because it doesn't count as a shot on goal because you got (laughs) it past the goaltender and it didn't go in the net. So it's no different than shooting the puck into the second level of the arena. Uh, You didn't score, but post and crossbar making people sad. A plus. A plus. So the Golden Knights hit it. Five times last night, I think Riley Smith was responsible for three of those, um, and the Avalanche hit it once in overtime. What I find interesting is in hockey, we tend to view hitting the post as unlucky and not as being like bad. Like, because imagine in other sports, like a pitcher missing the strike zone, we don't view that as unlucky. Or if a quarterback misses his wide receiver, or or if a kicker hits an upright, that's probably a better example. Kicker hits an upright, we don't think of the kicker as being 
unlucky. We think of it as, oh, he missed. He was bad. But for some reason in hockey, it tends to be viewed as, oh, you're unlucky because you hit the post, even though like pro athletes get paid a lot of money to do very precise things. And the only one that seems to be, oh, that's just unlucky is when they hit the post, when every single sport, you're supposed to be doing something very precisely. And if you miss by just an inch or two, we don't think of you as unlucky. We think of you as not being good enough at the sport. It's like no one ever asked us to grade the rim after UNLV yeah. shoots 30%, right? <laughs> no one ever said, well, is the, is the rim uh, the reason that UNLV is unlucky? Well, no, the ball didn't go in. The Golden Knights official Twitter account tweeted last night multiple times just like post with an angry emoji about it. Imagine UNLV's account tweeting rim with an angry <laughs> emoji. <laughs> oh, God, the... Uh, and have you ever watched Mark Andre Fleury take care of his posts, caress them, he love should. them, talk to them? Yeah, yeah. Should, like though. like Mark Andre Fleury feels good about the posts. Like he 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 actually talks to them and and he thanks them when they do something good for him. I think we all should have that attitude. Like, hey, we know what you're here for. Yeah. Because listen, if you're a goaltender and they hit the post, you played it perfectly because you only need to defend what's inside of the post. You don't need to defend what's outside of the post. So if they hit the post. Good job. You took away their actual chance to score. Have you thought about this? What if Boban were a goalie? Okay, I'm listening. So you take all of this massive human and you essentially make him crouch down, right? So that he would be, what, seven foot one? And <laughs> put him in net and stick some goalie gear on that 7-6 frame. And it would be like the Geico Walrus. Like, you would never be able to get anything past him because he would just take up the entire net. I think I think we're wasting a lot of Boban, though, because uh, how tall is a, is a net in hockey? I don't know, but think about it this way. If you had him go down and do the pad stack, like, the pads would come up over the net. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Uh, a hockey net is only forty-eight inches tall. So even I. Okay. We got it. We got it. How like can he be a contortionist? Like can he contort his body? Because the, there's enough body mass there to block the net. He's just that's not, what I'm saying. He's just not configured properly to actually do it. That's that's essentially what I'm saying here is that you could put him at something like a forty-five degree angle, like in repose, and make him into a great goaltender. Okay. I, I'm all here for it. I mean, the majority of goaltending is just being in good position and they shoot and they suck because right. they yeah. hit you. So I'm here for it. We just got to, I guess we got to figure out how flexible is Boban. Well, and then, uh, yeah, we do have to figure out how flexible Boban is. And then think about his value in a fight. You would never need Ryan Reeves again because you've got seven six Boban as your enforcer. He's got reach. Next topic to you grade. Didn't, you didn't grade it. You, keep, oh, you I'm always sorry. do I'm this. I'm sorry. The sport of hockey gets an F. F for thinking the it's unlucky. Worst. Yeah, for thinking it's unlucky. Next topic, Alex Petrangelo. Uh, B minus. B minus. Um, blocked seven shots, had a few really good plays defensively with the stick, but very clearly led to the first goal on a giveaway and just, you know, we've talked about it. It has not been a number one defenseman the way Kale McCarr has been a number one defenseman for Colorado. He saved a goal last night. Marc-Andre Fleury got out of position, and there was an open net to shoot out, except Alex Petrangelo was in the way. So he did, in fact, save what would have been an easy goal for the Avalanche last night. But as you said, 
he's the main reason the first goal was scored. It was his poor positioning that led to the chance. And then he, his uh, stick check ended up being the reason the puck went five hole on flurry because it didn't end up being an actual shot there. So he's the main reason they scored. And the problem is, is that you're not trading for and signing Alex Petrangelo. I shouldn't say trade for signing him to the big deal for him to be basically a, a break even right? You're not doing that. Like he's supposed to be there to help you win. So it's an F like, even if he played relatively fine last night, F. he's not here to play relatively fine. He's here to be the reason you win playoff games. And he hasn't been that. So worst acquisition in team history still stands today. Uh, next topic to grade the ice in Denver. The ice in Denver gets a D minus D minus F look. Mm, not really, because it's still passed. So I don't know that I can give it an F. But, Pass. but when it was roughly 10 o'clock last night, and we knew we had to be on the radio at 7 a.m., and I texted some expletives to Tyler at the end of regulation, and then we texted expletives back and forth when we saw that the ice wasn't going to be ready for the start of overtime. Look, I don't care about the quality of the ice for the professional athletes, for the thousands of fans. I care about the ice letting me go to bed. And the ice did not seem interested in letting me go to bed. It came around in time, and thankfully, Riley Smith decided to slash the stick out of someone's hands, and we didn't have to sit around for long. But that, I, that ice came as close to getting an F as is humanly possible. F. I am going to pull an Ed Graney, and I'm going to pull what I don't like that Ed Graney does. And instead of giving a letter grade, I'm going to do this as alliteration. And I'm going to give it a D. D. For Damian Lillard, because that's who I'm blaming for them having bad ice. Damian Lillard made him go to double overtime. The ice crew got a late start after the Nuggets game. And so the ice just wasn't any good. It wasn't good for the Golden Knights. So they had to complain about it. Flurry was like, hey, it's too wet here. Come squeegee it or whatever the hell they had to do to it. It's all Damian Lillard's fault. My favorite was that it like when this happened at the start of overtime, there was some, I'm going to say what, maybe 60 something dude with a mask who was standing there and the referee was like, hey, come out and take care of this. And the guy starts walking out on the ice and, and the ref's like, no, 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 not you. Bring the ice girls out. <laughs> we, we need this to be both effective at cleaning the ice and entertaining for anybody still awake watching this. Next topic to grade the Golden Knights fourth line. As in last night's fourth line? You can grade whatever you want. The Fair worst. enough. Last night's fourth line gets an A. A. Um, Patrick Brown proved to be a great addition in drawing blood from the Colorado Avalanche <laughs> captain without actually getting a penalty. Um, I enjoy watching Keegan Colasar play. And, and, and we'll carry a, you know... He hits people sometimes. So, you know, that's that's fun. And I think I have to give it an A just for the complete lack of Ryan Reeves. Last night, the fourth line had a 70% Corsi and a 66 expected goals rate. They dominated Colorado's fourth line. They even played a minute and a half against Nathan McKinnon and outshot Colorado 3-1 to one in those 90 seconds. They were good. Now, the Golden Knights aren't winning the series because the fourth line plays like that, but they're not going to cost you the series either. And the question is, if they do that again, if the fourth line is good again in game three, is Pete DeBoer actually going to bring Ryan Reeves back? No. 
come on, don't even go here. They're bringing Reeves back. You know they're bringing Reeves back. What? Because the biggest problem is going to be that if the Golden Knights are down three games to none, that the Avalanche aren't intimidated. Well, you need to intimidate them. And there is one player that you can throw out on the ice who will intimidate. It, listen, Tyler, if you knew there was a reasonable chance that one of the 12 forwards on the other team was going to kneel on your head and rip your hair out, would you not be intimidated? <laughs> um, Not if I knew I could skate around him and score a goal. Ryan Graves didn't do that. Yeah. Lost some of his hair. Joke's on you. That is fair. All right. Um, The last one here, Jared, this is specifically for you. Logan Thompson. Well, wait. I mean, I would. A plus, plus, plus. Check. You've just been for weeks telling us because Logan Thompson was like the greatest goalie in the history of American League hockey um, that Logan Thompson needs to be playing. He was the backup last night because Robin Leonard is day to day with something. We don't know. Robin no, Leonard we'll find. We'll find out. In He's day to day with suck. Hey, hey, we will find out in six or seven weeks what he's day-to-day with. You guys need to calm down. I just wanted to give you the opportunity. I know he didn't play, but he he's, was the backup. Dude, he's... I I genuinely think that if you're going to... I don't understand why you're spending this amount of money on two goalies when Logan Thompson is... He just won an award for goaltending in a league where multiple fights break out at any given time, and the average score is like seven-two. He's re- like he's young, he's cheap. Make him the backup. His save percentage for the Henderson Silver Knights was nine four three. His goals against average was one point nine six. They're rudimentary goalie stats. I don't know that advanced analytics are actually publicly available for the AHL, but. He seemed to be really good from all accounts. And oh, I stop it. What? Stop it. You know you, you know that there is some twenty one year old college grad somewhere in Ontario who has been running the best AHL analytics site you've ever seen since he was fourteen years old. Listen, I said publicly available. If that kid exists, then it'll be great. I pay my one dollar a month, yes, one dollar a month to Natural Stat Trick to be at the <laughs> second tier of membership. And so I I know that there's someone out there doing AHL analytics that are publicly available, probably even for free. I got to be honest. I didn't know there was subscriptions in Natural Statric. You pay $1 a month. Like and and the best part was when I when my credit card number got stolen, I had to change my credit <laughs> card number and, and like they're rejecting me because my $1 a month charge got <laughs> you know got turned down. And I'm like, "Guys, like you probably should just roll with me for a month. I'm good for the dollar. <laughs> All right, coming up ne- two next month. Come on, coming up next, we take a peek inside Candy's briefs. Candy's Chonies. Another one. PlayStation. Name one more. Yahoo. Another. Marriott. One more. eBay. Uber. Anthem. Blue Cross. Blue Shield. Home Depot. Facebook. God damn it. Candy's Chonies. Fine. We get UPS. It. Chase Bank. Tumblr. LinkedIn. People don't care about privacy. What they care about is a good story. All right, Adam, no Bischoff's briefs today. You have the floor. Very sorry to hear that there is nothing inside Bischoff's briefs. Um, So I guess we'll have to go into my chonies. Um, Inside Candy's chonies, you find numbers, sometimes big, sometimes small. None of them known to Tyler Bischoff prior to when I give them to him. Tyler Bischoff has to figure out what these numbers mean. 
The first number for Tyler Bischoff today is 22.22. It is a percentage. All right. Um, okay. What sport? Baseball. It comes from the sport of baseball. All right. It is a... All right, well, let me re let me reconfigure this. 0.222. It is a winning percentage in baseball. Ooh, okay. Is it for a specific team or is it a specific It is for a specific manager. Manager. It is for it, it, it is for a manager formerly known as someone who overused young pitchers. Wow. Well, Dusty Baker's win percentage isn't 222. Dusty Baker's win percentage in game sevens in the playoffs uh, is 0.222. He is two and seven in game sevens in the playoffs. I ask you this for a reason. Have you here on June 3rd begun to mentally prepare yourself for how Dusty Baker is going to screw the Astros in a game seven? No, the Astros will clinch all their series in six games or less. Okay, so the the solution to not <laughs> having to deal with Dusty's losing percentage in Game Seven is to win it before then. Fair. Yes, yes, okay, that is the plan. Do not get to seven. Okay, I like that. I like that. Okay, all right. Two Good. and six. All right. God, he has been managing a long time. Nine Game Sevens. Nine Game Sevens over the course of Dusty Baker's career. Two and seven is the record. You don't even get to play Game Seven unless you make it to the LCS. He's old. This is this is fair. He's this old. is fair. Remember, Dusty managed the Giants for a long time through a lot of series. So, all right, okay, all right. Back back into my. Let me let me just reach down into my chonies and see what's there. Oh, there it is. Uh, okay, I have another percentage number for you. Are you ready for this? All right. Okay. Here we go. Uh, this number is thirty three point four percent. Thirty-three point four percent. Well, I know it comes, it's not Bryce Hamilton's three-point percentage. Um, you are frighteningly close to what I actually just pulled. Um, <laughs> so I would stick in that general area. Okay. Um, so somebody's three-point percentage. Somebody that plays for you. No, no, it no? is a Bryce Hamilton stat. Believe oh, it or not. Okay, thirty-three point. Is that the percentage of shots he took last or? The percentage of UNLV shots that were Bryce Hamilton's last year? Close enough. Uh, 33.4 was Bryce Hamilton's usage rate ah, okay. last right. year. So if you are not familiar, basically the amount of times that a UNLV possession went through Bryce Hamilton. So I ask you this for this reason, since we talked about Bryce Hamilton returning to UNLV. If Bryce Hamilton ends up as a reasonable piece of Kevin Kruger's rotation, how far do you think that usage rate falls this year? Uh, I think in an ideal situation, it's down in the low 20s uh, if they have other competent scorers on this roster. It falls pretty significantly. Um, knowing the way Bryce Hamilton plays, I'll, t I'll tell you yesterday, Ed and I talked a little bit about it and got a little bit into why is he back at UNLV? Why did he not end up on a power conference team and sort of came to the assumption that a power the power conference teams told him, yeah, you got a spot on the team but you're going to have to fight for a starting spot. There's no guarantee to shots, whereas Kevin Kruger might have sold him on, yeah, you're the number one option on the team. I'm guessing it's going to be maybe high 20s, 28 29%. Okay. I, I actually even think that's probably a little bit high for where it should be in the end, but okay. All right. Fair enough. That was, that was, uh, wow, I am very... I am very impressed. You clearly have been spending more time in my briefs than uh, you'd like to share, wouldn't you? Yeah. Got you a lot knew of exactly tape. where I was going. Got a lot of tape on it. Got to go deep.
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Candy's Chonies uh, now available on Synergy Sports. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, this is going to be I don't have an exact number on this. Uh, despite my research, I was not able to come up with the the uh, the figure, but I'm going to go with a round number uh, that is close to it because we are coming up on an anniversary. So the number is six. Six. All right. We're coming up on an anniversary and the number six. All right. What's the next hint? It is. It is from football. It is from what the hell? No, what the hell happens in June? I don't know. Okay. Okay. All right. I don't know. Co- comes comes from co- comes from college football. Uh, anniversary. Com- it comes six. from UNLV. Yeah. I. What I don't know. What happened? We are approaching the six month anniversary oh, of Marcus Arroyo months. blocking oh, you on Twitter. Six months. I see. Okay. You were okay. thinking years. I see, was. You were going ev- with high school relationship crap. Okay. Every every now and then, even those who know what's in my briefs get a little surprise. Man. All right. Six months of Marcus Arroyo having me blocked on Twitter. Let, let me just really quickly try to confirm here that I am still blocked on Twitter and he hasn't had a change of heart. Oh, uh, that that would be shocking. Yeah, he's not um, he's not pulling up. I can't get to this account. No, I mean, he has more blocks of yeah. you than wins at UNLV. Yeah, so, yeah. You know. well, you know, it is what it is. He's almost got as many blocks as he has projected wins for next year, too. Fair, fair. Um, so I ask you, as we come up on, on this big anniversary, um, are you expecting him to give you like a promise ring or something to commemorate the occasion? Um, no, but I am hoping as I log on to my TikTok, has he blocked me on TikTok yet? No, he has not blocked me on TikTok yet. But we but remember, we confirmed a couple of months ago that he did block you on Instagram. Yes, that was accurate as well. Okay. Uh, but hasn't made it to TikTok yet. So a promise ring, hmm, a promise to keep me blocked. Is that what the promise is? Well, I don't know. Is, is the promise just to, to, you know, despise you forever? Because uh, I feel like that's like the that. sort of thing you would enjoy like would. to know that no matter what you do, that no matter what you say, that there's someone out there who will keep up the kind of hate that makes your brand run. I would enjoy that. Um, I need to find this tweet to read to you because it's one of my favorite tweets I've ever gotten in my life. Um, OK, hold on. All right, here we go. This is from Michael Foley. He tweeted at me. I have a theory that you're an immortal succubus who feeds off the anguish of sports fans. A chariot racing fan cursed you by name in stone ruins. You know, Michael, I can't disagree. Like, it's sort of like, can you disprove that? I can't. I have no, I have nothing to show him that would say I am not a succubus here to prey on sports anguish. So the two notable succubi that I'm aware of are Tyler Bischoff and chef's girlfriend from South Park. Man, I should get that reference because I've actually seen South Park before, but I don't get that reference. I'm sorry to let you down. Jared, I was kind of counting on you. Jared can't find his microphone. No, it's not that I can't find my microphone. It's that it needs to be on whenever I talk. Um, Yeah, no, I got the reference. That's, I, I I nodded. I nodded appreciatively. Oh, you nodded. Well, yeah. that makes for great radio. Thank well, you for nodding. Okay, I I don't get paid to talk. As have that has that not been evident by all you, my contributions today? You I you have been get, bad. If you hear pop culture on this show, you have to have a hand on the mic button, full well knowing 
that Tyler the Succubus Bischoff is not going to know the reference. Yes, but also, it is much funnier whenever we just let Tyler die on the vine mm. and just have him be like, hey, you know that thing that everyone understands? He's just like, I, I don't, I don't, what, who's Joey? Who's Chandler? I don't, I don't know who these people are. Whoa. Can I give you a, can I give you a number to guess? Okay. 1969. Oh boy. 1969. All right. Um, the last time, no, not the last time the Mets won the world series. The second, to last time the Mets won the world series. <laughs> no, uh, it does relate to both baseball and football. And it relates to the uh, partial answer to your first number in Candy's cronies. 1969. Chonies, man. Oh, my bad. Chonies. Is that the last time? Wait a minute. No, Mazeroski was earlier than that. Um, it has to, it, this is going to have to do with the Yankees losing something, correct? No, not at all. No, it's just, a fun, oh. it's just a fun thing I saw on Twitter just two seconds ago. All right, let me have it. All right. Dusty Baker says he hasn't been to Buffalo since 1969. The Astros are going to play the Blue Jays in Buffalo uh, this weekend. 1969, though, O.J. Simpson's rookie year with the Buffalo Bills. Whoa, look at that serendipity. Top five running back of all time. Also, Candy's cronies sounds like if we needed, if like Candy was filling in for <laughs> Cofield and Company for like an entire month. <laughs> Candy, look, Candy's cronies we know is completely false because it suggests I have friends. <laughs> Are cronies friends, or are they people nah, that yeah, like, think, they like owe you something, or you you paid them off? One of the two. I mean, I do have a handful of employees who work for me at my day job. I guess they could be my cronies. There we go. Bring them on. Come beat some people up with your cronies whenever you need something. Coming up next, Jr. Starkus joins the show. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Ready for the weekend? It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. Let's find out what's on tap with J.R. Starkus. Champagne, perfume going in, sewage coming out. J.R. Starkus. Southern Nevada, Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits, excuse me, and Liquor World bringing us J.R. Starkus. J.R., I thought the Red Sox were good. So did I. Makes two of us. <laughs> um, you know, they're pulling the reverse. Normally, uh, well, I say normally. I feel like normally they start off awful and then they turn things around and progressively get a little bit better and then they're in some sort of contention. This year, it's the complete opposite, and I'm afraid of that because I, it's like they are who they thought, who we thought they were. I think that's what we're going to see here pretty soon, unfortunately. Like they, they played out of their mind for a little bit above their league. Uh, and now we're going to start to see some games. I mean, when you lose to the Astros, things are not looking great, you know? Astros are going to win the World Series. Don't feel too bad about it. But, yeah, three in a row. As long as they beat, as as they beat the Dodgers. Yeah, well, that'll be a lot of fun yeah. around here. Dusty um, Baker is going <laughs> to win the World Series. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> so how close are you to start advocating for position players pitching again? Oh, I'm, I'm completely close to that. I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a great <laughs> idea. Here. I know Adam's probably cringing as he listens to this right now. But, uh, yeah, I, I think if you are ahead or behind just getting completely, you know, dosed. No, 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 then... no, no, no. I want, I mean, your Red Sox. Your, last year you were advocating for your Red Sox, like, in the third inning of a tied game to bring the shortstop in. <laughs> no, I was not. I, was, I said that if you're getting blitzed, yes, absolutely. If you're burning through pitchers, yes. Now in a tie game, 
not so much, you know, but, you know, I mean, if you think you got a guy that can do it, put him out there. What the hell? It's 162 games, man. You didn't have have that much confidence in the bullpen last year. That was all you wanted was somebody else to pitch but the actual relievers. Well, I mean, because the bullpen was terrible. That's true. But if you have a shot to win the game, then I'm more for using the guy who actually is supposed to play there. If you have no shot at winning the game, the hell with it. Put the second baseman in there and let him see what he can do. I'm good if you want to put a a retired player slash coach. Like, let him in the game. Let him throw two if you want. I don't care. How much do you second guess the coaches of your child's team? Um, I don't actually. Um, oh. I, I I really don't. There's, I mean, there's been a few opportunities when he was younger that I've second guessed things. Um, but then I have to put myself in check and say I'm not the coach. That's why he's out there. He's going to be coached. Um, and and so I let I let them do what they're going to do. Uh, there have been situations, you know, when you know he has played on various teams all growing up. And there have been situations where he may be playing with, and this is more younger now, when they're older, coaches generally, you know, understand that the boys that are still playing are generally are, are usually pretty skilled and usually have some sort of a coach and system in play. Um, so the, the older they get, the less like fine tuning of the coaching that is happening, right? Where they're not like for using a bad example would be, you know, Hey, get your elbow up or, you know, put the, do the, this with the bat at this age, these boys have hitting coaches and they, whatever their swing is, is their swing. So the coaches aren't going to try and tweak that too much. Younger is where they do that. So when they, when JT was younger, sometimes he would receive conflicting information from two different coaches. And I'd be like, this guy, listen, this is the one that you want to listen to. This is the, you know, he, he knows you better. So go with this person. So your kid never got stuck in right field and you like lost it on the coach. No, um, not not at all. Because you know, at, at when he, I've been fortunate to watch JT play, um, you know, club baseball, and for the most part, it's been pretty good competition and and skill sets throughout. Um, so you know, when you're on the field, you're probably getting the ball hit to you. There's it's different than little league per se, where it, especially the younger little leagues, right, where kids are just out there to be out there, and, and the, you know, some sometimes parents the kid wants to be out there, sometimes the parents are like. You're doing something. It must be baseball. So, you know, you get those kids out there, too. Um, <laughs> and that's where right field generally comes into play. Like, hey, nobody's going to hit it out there. Nobody on this other team is strong enough to hit it out there. Put little, put little Johnny in right and uh, let him sit out there. You named your child after a sports radio host? <laughs> no, not me. Not me. <laughs> not you, what your wife did? <laughs> no. <laughs> I would, <laughs> I wouldn't, if I was going to do it, it would definitely be Tyler, though. Oh. oh, people keep saying nice things about me today. I don't like it. I want this uh, succubus uh, to All come right, back. Technically, here. also, uh, just to go back to that, uh, a succubus. I know there's is a by, male version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I'm you'd fine. be an incubus. Succubus sounds way cooler than incubus, though. Incubus <laughs> is like a band, isn't it? Yeah, it kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very confusing. Very confusing. All right, what are you Super making for us, Jr.? All I know is you tweeted out an emoji of a watermelon. So what are we getting <laughs> with watermelon? That's correct. So we're going to do a watermelon and yuzu smash today. Um, Hold on, a watermelon and what? Watermelon and yuzu. Yuzu is a Japanese citrus fruit that's kind of like a mashup of lemon and orange. Now, what does it look like? uh, Like a lemon. (laughs) So, like, if I'm like, there's, if I'm walking in a grocery store to get it, I would just go, all right, I need. It looks like a lemon. Yes. They, well, if you said, do you have any fresh yuzus, they, they know exactly what you're talking about. But I'm not using fresh yuzu. Um, I'm using a soda that is lime and yuzu soda from Fever Tree, which is a brand new product from them, which is where I'm getting this yuzu from. All right. All right. We've continue. That you've confused us, but continue. 
Thanks for jumping the gun, gents. Okay, so <laughs> here's what we got. It's going to be really simple. You're going to need one fresh lime. Now, here's the key. when we're Because we're going to muddle this fresh lime. We're not going to actually juice it like I do for a lot of the drinks. We're going to muddle this fresh lime. When you're looking for limes in the grocery store, find limes that are non-blemished if you can. Find limes that are a normal size, right? Sometimes you go into the grocery store and you find a lemon that looks like it's just a, or a lime that looks like it's just a a green lemon. Um, that's a really big lime, obviously. So in that case, you won't need as much. But if you find a normal, what you deem to be a normal size lime, <laughs> you're going to chop that into, like, cube it up and chop it into, take three quarters of that skin on and everything and throw that into a mixing tin. Okay. Then you're going to add uh, one and a half tablespoons of granulated sugar, just regular white sugar. Put that in there, and those two ingredients together, you want to muddle them pretty well. Uh, when you muddle them well together, what happens is the sugar starts to kind of extract and scrape, almost exfoliate, if you will, the rind of the or the rind in the skin of the lime. As you press it, the sugar interacts with the juice, so it becomes kind of a natural sweet and sour, if you will. So muddle those two ingredients together. Do it pretty well. You, you're not going to get all of the sugar to dissolve when you do this. Um, you're just trying to kind of get the juices out of the, li- the lime and combine the two ingredients. So muddle those two ing- ingredients together. Then after that, you're going to add, you know, four or five chunks of fresh watermelon. The chunks should be, call it like a half-inch cube or something like that. I mean, it doesn't have to be precise, uh, but that's about what you want to put into this. So four or five cubes of fresh watermelon and then muddle it one more time together. Now, you don't need to do too much extra. Uh, because the watermelon presses down pretty easily. One of the things you might have noticed is that I didn't include the watermelon in with the first muddle. The reason for that is because we don't want to completely obliterate the watermelon here uh, because we're going to use the chunks of it in our final cocktail, and you hear that in a second. Then, once you've muddled those three ingredients together, you still don't have any ice in the mixing tin. You want to add an ounce and a half of absolute watermelon. We've used this vodka before. It's a brand new on the market from Absolute. Um, and it's, it's perfect for this time of year, obviously. We've been doing a lot of those style drinks recently, and so we'll be perfect for hanging out by the pool. So absolute watermelon, ounce and a half. If you want to go to two ounces, you want a little stronger drink, by all means, two ounces, but I used an ounce and a half. Then add ice and shake those ingredients together, okay? When you, you, you don't want to over-shake at this point. The reason for shaking is to dilute, to combine, and to kind of mix all of these ingredients together. Next step is you're going to take that, fever tree, lime and yuzu soda I was telling you about, and you're going to add two to three ounces of it with, in, inside of the shaker, okay? After you've, after you've shaken everything, you're going to kind of add it to all of the ingredients. Take all those ingredients and just pour it straight into a large goblet glass or something like a pool cup, whatever you want, something that can hold that amount of volume. Um, uh, like a large pool cup will do it or some sort of, of, of goblet or something that you have at your house, anything will do. Uh, just pour everything in there together. So because we didn't overshake the drink, that ice will still be uh, accessible for, our, for, for this particular beverage, and we'll get to enjoy all of the chunks of you know, fresh fruit that we have in the drink. So that's why it's just kind of a, we call this method shake and pour. Um, at that point, you can just garnish it. Um, I use the slice of fresh watermelon, a little bit of mint, and that's it. Enjoy the drink. It's that simple. It's really easy. It's all things you can get at the grocery store or the liquor store um, and, you know, that you can use over and over again that won't go bad on you. So there's chunks of lime skin in this? Chunks, there's chunks of lime, sugar, chunks of watermelon, 
absolute watermelon, and a little bit of the fever treat lime and yuzu soda. Delicious. Oh, the, I was actually about to say this might be the first time you've made a drink that I didn't like start salivating whenever Don't you made you. it because I, 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 I hate melon. Is there a way to do it without the melon? Yeah, if you want, if you don't like melon, switch the fruit. You can really put any fruit you want in there. Um, but I am fruity. Probably, you, what's that? <laughs> you hate fruity too? No, I said I'm I'm fruity, so we're oh. good. Well, well, then you're good there. Uh, but you can switch the fruit uh, to, from anything from watermelon, and then at that point you could switch the vodka. So let's say you switch to uh, Ciroc peach and fresh peaches. Right? It could be it could be an option. That exact same recipe. Will, will work just fine for you. This is why I love him. He literally just, as soon as I, I mention something, he goes, oh, okay, well, hold on, let me fix it for you. And it's like, that is that that is that is perfect. Yeah, that's all you got to do. And then if you're if you are not a flavored vodka person, that exact same drink will work. Keep everything the same and switch to your favorite gin. Switch to your favorite mm. rum. The exact same drink will work just fine uh, with, with those kind of beverages together. So it, it really is an accessible drink. I hope you try it with absolute watermelon because I think you'll love it. I, my wife and her girlfriend was over this weekend, and as I make these drinks, they're, like, crushing them. So I was like, oh, I guess they like them. I guess I'll use that one. Um, you know, so, you know, so I, 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 I this is, this, this drink comes from experience. I have made this before, and uh, I know that the people love it when they drink by the pool. But, yeah, it's, it's that simple. You can switch on anything you want. You like tequila better? Fine. Switch in your favorite tequila. Make the same drink. Put your favorite tequila in. And you'll love it just as much, Jared. What's wrong with watermelon? No, I don't like any melon. It's cantaloupe, honeydew, nothing. It's a long story involving vomit. So let's not get mm. into it. Oh, this is your drinking cold water story. It's part of it's. It's the same thing as the drinking cold the, water. Story. Yeah. Oh, the, this this is totally sideways. This is this is completely yes. sideways. At this point. Do you not yeah. like? Do you not like cold water? Yeah. No, I can't drink cold water without gagging. <laughs> Oh, gosh, I can't wait to be back in studio to hear this story. <laughs> he is J.R. Starkus. Uh, again, thanks to Liquor World and Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. J.R., we appreciate it. You got it, guys. Talk to you next week. Coming up next, we might find out why Jared can't drink cold water. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. You guys remember this one? Fourth quarter, last chance in Chicago. I thought it was the second to last chance in Chicago, but apparently not. I don't think I've ever been as confused as I am in this moment right here. Get up, face. Was that Tom Brady? I couldn't understand a word he said. What did he say? He finally admitted that he didn't know what down it was when he was in oh, Chicago. Yeah, yeah he, he was, was just... holding up four fingers. I thought he admitted that after it happened. No. He... I mean, the face kind of admitted it yeah, when he was holding up four but fingers. But he was just like, he was like, wait, what? Oh, okay. So he finally admitted, like, yeah, no, I, I had no idea what down it was. The key to winning a Super Bowl. Don't know what down it is at any point in time. Uh, Adam, I have a question for you. Are the Yankees any good at baseball this year? Not particularly, and yet there's, and yet here they are with Garrett Cole on the mound and a chance to take three or four from the Rays right after getting swept by the Tigers. So maybe I don't know anything, and maybe they don't either. <laughs> no, I think that's a fair. I, I don't think you're supposed to know anything if a team gets swept by the Tigers and then wins three or four against the Rays. I, I don't think I don't, you're supposed to know anything if that happens. I don't. I don't either. Look, they can't hit the baseball. 
at all. Uh, Joel Sherman, the New York Post, had a great column about how Brian Cashman went all in on getting big hulking power hitters to hit the ball out of the park and then pitching advanced to the point where, you know, you are modeling how to throw to every single hitter to find where their holes are and that teams are not intimidated pitching to the Yankees anymore. So you've got that. They'd had health going for them in the starting rotation before Corey Kluber you know, fell apart again. And they are, let's see... The single worst base running team in the major leagues. They have run into the most outs on the base pass of any team in the league. And their starting shortstop was in the dugout, slamming his glove relentlessly against the wall after having two errors in five innings the other day, which now puts them up to nine in June. So their defense isn't any good either. On on the uh, idea of identifying like hitters' weaknesses and attacking the hell out of it with your pitching staff, it was Brian Kenny on MLB Network that was talking about the Yankees. And is it is it accurate, if I'm repeating what he said, that the Yankees lineup, basically everyone has the same flaw? You can pitch most of the Yankees exactly the same way, right? These big right-handed power hitters that can't catch up to a fastball inside and can be tempted to swing at sliders away like they're free ice cream. <laughs> so basically, lineup construction, not the greatest for the Yankees. It's like, okay, they, they were bottom five in runs before this series started against the race. There's no way they finished like even bottom 10 in runs, right? Like, the, even if they got we the same weakness, they're going to hit a lot of home runs at some point. Maybe you could make the argument that as the weather heats up, the ball travel a little bit, but they're not making the contact in the first place right now, right? You get a team like the Rays that's analytics heavy that knows exactly where to tunnel the ball and can bring Kevin Cash's stable of guys who throw 98 out there and do it, then forget it. You, then you have no chance uh, with this Yankees offense, especially depending on who's healthy or who isn't at any given time. Like, you know, how bad has this gotten? How obvious is it to even fans who are not like super analytics heavy? I got a text from my mother last night during the Yankees game <laughs> as I was on VEASAN, as I was on VEASAN talking about betting. And she said, can I get a prop on how many times John Carlos Stanton will strike out in every game? Because I'll bet the over every time. And that's how bad it's gotten. Everyone knows you watch this team for any length of time. And you know that, by the way, they, they now are one for 13 this year with the bases loaded and nobody out. No, really? That's impressive. One for 13. That's impressive. Um, okay, so how do you feel about uh, fan graphs right now have the New York Yankees with the best odds to win the World Series among American League teams? Well, that's pure insanity. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I would take the White Sox first. I would take the Astros before I would take the Yankees. I probably would take the Rays before I would take the Yankees because the way they're built is so perfect for the playoffs. So, no, that's that's insanity. It is 11% uh, for the Yankees, 9% for the Astros, 7.7 for the White Sox. Nobody else is above five. The White Sox are like they might win 75% of their games in that division the rest of the year. Like it's going to be another AL Central Invitational this time with the White Sox instead of everybody else. <laughs> and frankly, the AL West could turn into that for your Astros as well once the A's decide to go back to being the A's again. These damn A's. Keep winning close games. It's annoying. Does, does do either of you know what Garrett Cole has against uh, 
Sanchez, like every time he pitches, they have to bring in a different catcher? Kyle Higashioka is Cole's personal catcher at this point, largely because, one, Gary Sanchez can't block anything behind the plate, <laughs> and two, he calls the game as though there is an actual language barrier between the pitcher and the catcher, even though they're just reading numbers from each other. <laughs> Wait, who calls the game like there's a language barrier? Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez does. What? What? <laughs> the metaphor here, Tyler, is I, that even though you use numbers to communicate, Gary Sanchez, who only speaks Spanish, and Garrett Cole, who only speaks English, are like having actual trouble communicating, even though it's just one is the fastball and two is the curveball. He put up three fingers. I had no idea. What does trace mean? <laughs> I don't. I Yeah, I, I'm very glad because it's another day that I don't have to watch Gary Sanchez behind the plate, which has become... You know, something akin to sticking spoons into your eyes. I just want him to bat. <gasps> you, I want him to bat as well, as in actually bat and have an average over 200. Oh, overrated. Nobody needs a catcher hitting over 200. That is not a part of this sport. Your catcher is supposed to hit 180, but also be good at defense, Adam. So you guys might want to figure that out. They can't all be Martin Maldonado. <laughs> <laughs>